listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. We've been talking about finances. Uh, we've been talking in specific about the spirit of mammon. And a little, a little bit ago, about a month ago, the Lord began to really stir my heart. Actually, about two months ago, he began to stir my heart about finances and ministering on this, that there were some things that he wanted to share. And then partway through, the Lord really began to speak to Liz and I both, but really her about the spirit of mammon and that the, that spirit is really alive and well and uh, not really well in a good way, but he's working in the hearts and the lives of people. And so bringing identification to the spirit of mammon and then learning how to deal with it is really, really important. And, and just like I prayed, and I've heard this for so many years, that there is a great transfer of wealth that is coming. And I believe that. That has been something that has been consistently spoken through many ministers for a long time. And there are some things in the scriptures that I could go to that I believe would really back that prophetic word up, but I do believe it to be true. So if that is true, the question begs, are we prepared to handle a great transfer of wealth? So in other words, and I don't know that it would really look like this, but let's just imagine for a second that somebody came and they plopped a million dollars in your lap or a hundred million dollars in your lap. Would you know what to do with it? And that's a question everybody needs to ask for themselves. And I found myself years ago that I was, um, I was really given to wanting things. You know, I heard a guy say uh, about a year ago, he said, the problem, one of the problems in the church is that we like shiny things. And I thought, oh, Jesus, I like shiny things. I like a certain kind of truck. I like, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just wrong when those things have us. It's wrong when those things consume our attention, consume our heart, and begin to, and to, begin to be the thing that we're really after. God wants us to be after him. And I heard a man say this one time. He said, you build God's house and God will build your house. In other words, he was saying that if you will put God in his kingdom first, all the other things, including literally your, even your physical home, all those things will be added unto you. Because it tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things. And if you read it in context, all the other things are natural things that we not only need, but I believe even things that we want, God will meet all of those needs if we'll simply just seek first the kingdom of God. But I found that the spirit of mammon will often work through fear, and it's one thing that we've been talking about, but he will also work through flesh, or it will work through flesh, and it's almost like two sides of the mammon sword, and one way will cut, and it will use fear, and fear will keep you... Uh, oblivious because you're too afraid to look at what, what things are going on financially, or it will keep you in a place where you have to know every single detail about your finances because you're freaked out all the time. And either, either one of those can be manifestations of this is different than what we talked about. Yes. I can never get it right. You are almost right. Maybe I like it my way better. Well, yeah, but I'm talking now. It's going to help me. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I love you. So anyways, 
it's two different spectrums. There's the fear spectrum. On one end is a refusal to look at anything, kesera, sera. The other end is you have to know everything. And then the other, the other side of the sword of mammon is flesh, and it also has a spectrum. And that's what I want to talk to you about here for just a few moments. On one end of the flesh side, because one of the things with mammon that it will do is it will get people into um, the, on one extreme is really a lust for things, a lust for the shiny things, uh, always wanting to have more. You know, the, the, I, the, there's a scripture that says the eyes of man are never satisfied. And so it's like, once you get this level and it's like, well, I got to have this. And we see this with our kids. You know, it's like they, they, they have the, the one gaming device and I, oh man, I, I remember hearing older people talk about gaming devices when I was younger. And I was like, dude, they're so old. And now here I am. And anyways, they got the one thing, and it's like after a little bit, they're dissatisfied with that, and they want something else. And they've got, you know, the game that they wanted so bad, and it was $50, and they got the game, and then it was like, well, I'm bored with this. And they want... The eyes of men are never satisfied. There's, if we don't keep flesh in check, we give way to the spirit of mammon coming in, always wanting us to have more and more and more. And so we have to make sure that we're not driven by that. And this is where I believe a lot of the, the prosperity teaching that has gone wrong, that people are so against, that's where a lot of this has come in. And it's interesting, like probably, not probably, but definitely weekly, I have people say things like, oh, those prosperity preachers, and like they're saying things towards me. Unfortunately, Facebook, I mean, Wastebook, I mean, whatever it's called, Facebook, can be a, a really nasty thing that people will use. And so anyways, I've heard a lot of things like that. And what's interesting is that they're only taking one thing that they've seen from some people with wrong motives, and they're throwing all of it out. And if you want to throw prosperity completely out, then get rid of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so and David and Solomon and so many of these great men that were in the Bible that God gave them power to gain tremendous wealth to establish his covenant in the earth. And that's where you draw the line. And so what unfortunately we've had prosperity teaching that's taught great principles, but then the manifestation of it in people's lives have been all about self. That's flesh. That's the spirit of mammon working through it, uh, working through people's flesh and taking a principle in the word that's right and twisting it. And so then instead of people saying, I want to prosper rightly with the Lord and in the Lord to do the Lord's business in the earth, they throw all of it out and say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. So I think that it, we would be wrong to say that there hasn't been some foolish things done with money and the prosperity message, but we would also be completely foolish to throw out a message that has right principles just because we don't like some of the fruit of some of the fruitcakes. It's really important that we understand that we have to rightly divide the word of truth. And just because you have some, some bad apples or you have some bad manifestation from people that that might have wrong heart motives, that doesn't mean that everything that they're saying is wrong. Sometimes, and I don't know if you've ever been, been there before, but sometimes you'll be around somebody, it's like everything about them is wrong, and, but they'll say something, it's like, oh man, I, I, if, you're, if your heart's tender, they'll say things, people will say things, and it's like, I really needed to hear that. I was in a situation recently where, uh, anyways, it was, it was a, a difficult person, but they said something, I was like, actually, I didn't tell them this, 
But I said, I really needed to hear that. Amen. And so sometimes you can have people that are wrong and, you know, 99 ways out of 100, but they can have something that's right. Well, that's what I've seen happen with prosperity is that there are principles that are set forth in the word that are for every single person in the body of Christ. And we shouldn't throw everything out just because some people have done things wrong with it. Remember, God told Abram, he said, Abram, and this is where, that's, this is the lineage of the Jewish people. It started with Abram and then he became Abraham. He said, Abram, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing so that through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, I, I believe 100% that it's talking about having a covenant with God. That is essentially what he was talking about. However, it says that Abraham was rich in gold and silver and livestock. And then his nephew Lot had so much wealth that they were on the same land. They didn't have enough land to handle all of the wealth, all of the cattle and everything that they had, that they had to part ways because their wealth was so great. They needed more room to spread out. So if wealth is bad, then God was evil for giving it to Abraham and to Jacob, and to Isaac, and to all the other people. It's a right perspective that's extremely important. I want to talk about both edges of this, uh, excuse me, both ends of the spectrum of flesh, the spirit of mammon working through flesh. One is, it's a, it's a lust for more. The other end of the spectrum is the complete opposite of that, which is essentially, it's essentially an attitude that says, I'm good, I don't want any more. And for anybody, and I've heard so many people say this over the years, that it actually grades me just as wrong that way as it does seeing somebody trying to, trying to, trying to gain things just for themselves, and they take prosperity, and they take the word and, and do it all for themselves. Both ends actually disgust me equally. One end says it's all about me, and I want, 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 want. The other end says, I'm good, and I don't care if I have enough for anybody else. Because the same spirit that Jesus operated in, we, are, we also are supposed to operate in that. Jesus came, and he gave. The very heart of God is to give. So once we come to a place, and look, you can only walk on so much carpet, you can only drive so many cars, you can only have so many toys, you can only go on so many vacations, and once you've gotten to a place to where you have your fill of things, and God's not against that, we shouldn't be lusting for more things. We should be saying, God, what can I do with my things and with my finances and with the skills and the gifts and the talents you've given me to produce more because other people need what I have? What if we had a mentality of continuing to increase so that we could advance the kingdom of God? But when somebody just says, I'm not into that prosperity stuff, oh, really? When's the last time you were affected by a ministry that didn't have money involved in it because it takes money, takes money to move the gospel around the world? Every, every one of us have been up positively affected by ministries. This ministry, other, other ministers on it could be on TV or the radio or whatever. We've been affected by them because people gave to them and they were able to broadcast it. They were able to travel. They did whatever. They wrote the book, whatever it was. And they did it because people gave into that ministry. So to have an attitude for anybody to be like, you know, I'm good and I really don't need any more money. I've got my retirement set. It's just like whenever people talk about retirement, I want to say, 
oh, you mean you're going to retire from your job so that you can take all of your resources and really invest it into the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying empty out your bank account. Don't misunderstand me. But usually what they mean is, uh, I'm doing good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire, and I'm going to play golf. I'm going to go fishing. We're going to go on vacations. And look, if you retire, you get to do more of that stuff. Awesome. I look forward to one day. I'll never do more of that stuff, whatever. You know, you can't retire from your calling, FYI. That's why you'll see preachers sometimes in the pulpit maybe a little bit too long because they're still called and they might need to raise somebody else up or whatever. But you don't lose that calling just because you get older or whatever. And all of us are called to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God. So if our mentality is like, let's store up all that we can so that when we, we retire, we can enjoy all the benefits of our retirement. I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's not evil. But where's your heart for the gospel? Where's your heart for reaching people? Does it go out the window once you retire and now it's just all about you? Absolutely not. You should be all about moving the kingdom of God forward. If nothing else, if you quit working, you should take your wisdom, your understanding on how you gain wealth and you should start teaching it to other people. You should start praying over other people. You should start believing God that other people will rise up and make even more money. Why? So they can have things? No. So they can promote the gospel of Jesus Christ with the monetary wealth that God has given them. Both ends of this flesh spectrum are completely wrong, and both of them are anti-Christ. And so this is why when people, they're, they're like, you're one of those prosperity preachers. I say, yes, I am. You betcha. And you want to come and, and see my, how, what year is our house? Like 1930-something house with crooked floors. I'm not complaining about it or whatever, but we're not, we're not, living, we're not living it up in, in our uh, car that's got 100,000 miles on it, you know, like, you know, and this is, this is as flashy as we get dressed. Like, we're not in it for the money for ourselves. We're in it, and God does bless us, and we're thankful for that, but we're in it for the kingdom of God. We're in it to see his kingdom increase. And so anybody that says, are you one of those prosperity people? You say, yes, I am. And he's given me prosper, uh, prosperity. He's given me wealth to establish his covenant in the earth. And that's what I'm all about in Jesus' name. And with that, one day when you roll up in a, you know, a brand new uh, Cadillac or whatever that costs you a hundred grand, I'm going to be rejoicing with you. So long as you've been given into the kingdom of God, amen. So long as you've been promoting the gospel. But it's somewhat, it's somewhat relative because if God's given you favor and wisdom to make a lot of money, you know, it's, you, could have, you could have a guy that's making millions of dollars a year. And I, I learned this from a friend uh, not too long ago that they, they bought a very expensive car. And this was like, okay, I got to think different. And they said, honestly, because of tax stuff, it was better for us to buy this expensive car than to not buy this expensive car. So we get, we get to enjoy driving the really, really nice car and we get to reap the benefits of it and not the government of, of our money. And I, that's wisdom, amen? And so even if they just went out and bought it, there was no problem with it. So it's not, a, it's not about whether you have or you don't have or what you have or what you don't have. It's not about any of that kind of stuff. It's about your heart in the matter. What is the purpose behind your finances? But I wanna say, I wanna say this, that both of these things, either end of the flesh spectrum, they both equal one thing and it's selfishness. One says, I'm all good. I don't need anything else. That's selfish. The other end says, gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Get on the can. Get, get, get all you can. Can all you get and then sit on the can. That kind of mentality also is completely selfish. So here's how we break 
this type of selfishness or selfishness, period. And this isn't just with the spirit of mammon. This is really any kind of area in our life is that we have to surrender our wills. The way we get rid of selfishness is surrendering our wills because the very nature of being selfish is all about having what we will, what we want to come to pass. And I've dealt with that as much or more than anybody sitting in this room. And I've, I've, uh, I've had to, even in recent days, the Lord has had to come back and remind me that, you know, you want certain things, Kent, but that's getting in the way of what I want you to do. And you have an obligation as my minister, as my servant to surrender your will to me. And so whether you're talking about in ministry or in any area of life, we have a responsibility. And this is how we get rid of flesh is we surrender our our will. Because this side says it's all about me and I want what I want. This side also says it's all about me and I want what I want. But the way that we overcome that is saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, whatever you want in any situation, Lord, that is what I want. I'll lay down anything and everything. And you know, Liz and I have been through this a lot when it comes to, to things. And it's amazing how when it comes to like, you know, we're just, we're like you guys, we want to have nice things too, and we're not against it. But it's interesting how we've found emotions and things tied to things that when we start to pursue it, that oftentimes, see, sometimes the Lord will say, pursue it, buy the car, buy the house. You got to live somewhere. You got to drive something. There's nothing wrong with jewelry. There's not, none of that stuff. All that stuff is fine, right? And it's right place. All of it's fine. But there's times when we'll start to pursue it. And it's like, we don't have peace. And we'll pull back and the Lord will be like, you know, you got a problem with that thing right there. You really are wanting it too much when you really just need to be wanting me. Are you willing, and it's often a test, are you willing to lay it down? That is the hard one right there, being willing to lay it down. Because a lot of times we say, it is like we pray this. We pray, Lord, I, I want your will. I want your will, Lord. Whatever it is that is your will, that is what I want. And so then we're just walking about our lives, and all of a sudden you're like, yes, I, I'm believing God for this. And he's like, okay, lay it, lay it down. Will you surrender it, will you let it go? And then all of a sudden, like your flesh, it rises up and it's like, but I want what I want. Yeah. And it's not even a bad thing what I want. It's right. not a bad thing. And it's not actually even like selfishness, I don't think, but it, in and of itself it is. And the Lord's like, he, he, we, we don't realize how many things that we idolize yeah. and how many things gets our, get our time and our attention and our affections until all of a sudden the Lord says, give me that. And you're like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. That's not even a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. We like rationalize it. We're like, you know, we like go back and forth with the Lord. Like, this isn't a bad thing that I want. And, you know, it's your will for me to have nice things, and it's your will for me to prosper, but he wants your heart. That's yeah. the thing that he wants more than anything is he wants your heart, and he wants. This is where it says that if you that he'll give you the desires of your heart. Yes. And this actually is when you lay it down and you say, Lord, actually, because here's the beautiful thing behind surrender is that he knows better than you know. And actually the thing maybe that it is that you want and desire so much, 
he actually desires for you to have something different or for it to look different than you actually thought that it should look. He is so good and he's so into details and he cares about you that he wants actually something better most of the time than we can ever dream, right. hope, or imagine. That's right. But we can never get to the better if we don't first lay down that thing that we think is really great. Because he, like I said, he's wanting our heart. He's wanting us to come before him and say, will you actually desire what it is that I desire, which is to build his kingdom, which is to establish his covenant on the earth. And in that process of you seeking first him and you running after righteousness, everything else that you need will be added to you. And it, it doesn't even matter anymore. Those things, they won't matter anymore. What won't matter is that you're just, you know, you're just doing what the Lord asked you to do. And all of a sudden, like this blessing comes and you're like, oh, that is so much better than I could ever yeah. have imagined, yeah. you know? And it's so good. I love yeah. it. I lo I've seen that over and over. He just like rocked me. So I just began to say, you know, Lord, I want what you want because what you want is better. Yeah. It's better than what I could ever imagine. You guys, his mind and ways are so, 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 so big. They're so big. Like, we, we can't even, like, I mean, probably a pin drop isn't even as big as his mind is. Like, think about it. He created the universe. And sometimes we just think about the pretty flowers, but all the intricate details within the flowers he also created. And he didn't just create one kind of flower, but he created millions different different kinds of flowers. Like, I'm just like, whoa. You know, it just take take you back and think, like, maybe my perspective isn't actually the best perspective because I can only, a lot of times we get down thinking too, like, one way. We have, like, a certain mindset, and he's like, actually, I'm going to teach you a new mindset. But if you don't allow, if you don't go to this place of surrender, I can't take you to that new mindset where you can actually see and think differently and see and think more like I do. So th this is hard. Oh, trust me, it's hard. It like is like sometimes our flesh is like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna give that up. And the Lord's like, yes, and you're it's like, you know, well, we're gonna get to it. Like your your flesh is weak and your spirit is willing, and there's like this ripping. It feels like like I have physically. If it feels felt, like a tear you were too attached to. It. I, I right. know, which then brings me like some remorse. I'm like, I didn't realize I was idolizing that so much when it wasn't even a bad thing. Yeah. But if I put that higher than the Lord. And if it takes the place of the Lord, if anything takes the place of the Lord in any area of my life, then I'm not going to experience the fullness of the Lord. And I want, I desire to experience the fullness so of I the asked, Lord. So I asked this question one time about like, why did they idolize things in the, in the old covenant? Like you would see them, like, for example, when Moses went up um, to get the 10 commandments, and had come back down, and Aaron, the worst associate pastor in the world, um, you know, had them had them make a golden calf to worship it. And I thought, what's the draw to worship a golden calf? I mean, what, what, like that's not a temptation for anybody. Nobody in here, I guarantee, you, is like, oh, I just, oh, I want to worship a golden calf so bad. I just, oh, I just, oh, Lord, help me. I'm struggling. Nobody's struggling with that, right? If you are, we need to cast a demon out of you because that's just weird. So I was like, why, why was it? 
why was it like that? Why did they do that? And the Lord spoke so clearly. He said, it's because they worshiped me for what I could do for them and not for who I was. And they didn't know God intimately at that point. Moses did and was getting to know him more intimately. They only knew him as the great I am, but the one who would deliver them, who would do things for them, who would heal them. They didn't know him personally. And so as soon as he didn't move as fast as they wanted him to move, they said, all right, give us another God because we need something. They worshiped him for what he could do and not for who he was. And so that's why they had golden calves and stuff. Listen to this. Oftentimes, we will find ourselves lusting after things because of what they can do for us instead of being satisfied with the one who just is. Oh, come on. Think about that for a minute. Whew. That's tight. I see a right. few heads going, mmm. Because <laughs> the Holy Ghost is all over that. Oftentimes, we will become unsatisfied with just the Lord because we want something so bad and we think that's going to fulfill the lack, the need, the void in our life. And it's not, it's not conscious. It's not like, boy, if I get that new car, I'll be beyond heaven. It will just be. But yet we can look and be like, oh, I really want that. And there's nothing wrong with liking things, but if it's coming in to fill something there that we're not allowing God to fill, then we're getting into idolatry and we're placing those things in a position that only he belongs and only he can satisfy us, not because of what he does, but because of who he is. Oh, go back and listen to that like eight more times because that was deep. I want to talk about how to surrender our wills briefly here for a few moments. Are you still with me? Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. Matthew 26 and, and verse 38. Thank you, Jesus. And this is talking about where Jesus went to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane and he began to, to pray and he asked his disciples to pray, but they were basically worthless and didn't do anything to help them. They weren't willing to pray. He said, just pray with me for an hour. And in verse 38 of Matthew chapter 26, it says, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now, I want to I point something out here that Jesus, now understand this, all sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. If you're sinning, you're being carnal, but you can be carnal and not be in sin. You can have your flesh war against you, and it doesn't mean you're in sin. It just means that it's flesh. Does that make sense? You can see that Jesus was warring here in his flesh. Why? because he was going to have to endure punishment, torture, that was going to not only affect him emotionally, but also physically. He says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, listen to this, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, our flesh likes the shiny things. It wants the stuff. And we'll often find ourselves being drawn to those things instead of being drawn to him. 
And we have to be careful because even though our spirit is willing to always trust and look to the Lord, often our flesh is weak. But the way that Jesus dealt with the flesh that was rising against the will of the Father, you understand that Jesus could have said, I can't do this, I can't take this. And at that point, he would have been in sin because he would have been disobeying the Father, but praise God, he never sinned. But he could have, he could have done this. Now, I've heard some people say that he couldn't do it. No, Jesus had a natural will. He had a natural body here on this earth, and he had the ability to make choices. Yeah. And if he, hadn't, if he couldn't have made a choice, then it never would have been a temptation. So Jesus was tempted, and he was tempted here to say, I can't endure it, I can't take it, I can't, I can't go down that road. But he said, nevertheless, will, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And for us to get over flesh, what we have to do is we have to exchange our wills yes. with him. We have to come to him and say, Lord, I actually really want that thing, I like that thing, or I want to do this, or I want to start this business, or I want whatever it is. But Lord, I don't want my will, I want your will to be done. And I'm going to rest here until you make it clear to me what it is that I'm supposed to do. Amen. Amen. And it's not, always, it's, not a, it's not always a bad thing. I mean, if it's a bad thing, obvi the obvious answer is that's not for you. But if it's something that's good and could be a blessing, you don't want to get out and bless yourself. You want God to bless you. Yeah. It says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. Have you ever got the blessing of the Lord before and then you had a bunch of sorrow on the other end of it? I don't have enough uh, hours in this day to tell you about the, the blessing of the Lord in Kent's life that all it did was just bring destruction to me. We don't want to get out and try to bless ourselves. We want God to bless us. But if we're doing things according to our will and not his, that's where we're going to find ourselves. But we need to have God's will be done. Let me show you this again in our, another instance in Acts chapter 16. Let's go here quickly. Acts chapter 16. This is a great verse. Acts chapter 16. We're going to go to verse 25. Are you all staying awake for another moment? Hallelujah. You know, I love the ebbs and the flows and the spirit and the way God moves. And you know, sometimes we just have a blowout when we come in here, but sometimes we just need to learn. That's the way my relationship with the Lord is. Sometimes I'll come in and man, I'll just spend all day meditating on one little thing and God will just love on me. And man, I'll be laying on the floor and crying in his presence and other things. It's line upon line upon line upon line upon line. It's good that we have all of that. Were you going to say something? Uh, no. Okay. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. And it says, and this is when Paul and, and Silas were in prison. And it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And I just want to stop right there. If you go back and you, you read the verses before, they actually not only were they put in prison, as we understand here, but they were also beaten. There's probably not a person in this room or even listening on a line that's ever been tied, shackled, and beaten because of your faith in Christ. But yet, that's exactly what was happening to them. Imagine being in that place. I've had things happen to me, and I gotta be honest with you, I haven't always responded like Paul and Silas. I responded more like the children of Israel. Oh God, why? Why have you brought me out here to die? Anybody ever been there before? You know, when you do that, you have to keep going around the mountain over and over and over and over. But if we just praise God, if we just praise Amen. God, huh? Amen. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were, were listening to them. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake, 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Now, this was a, a situation where a supernatural thing happened. I've prayed, I've prayed and praised God before and didn't see anything happen. But let me ask you the question. If we don't see anything happen, are we still willing to praise the Lord, or are we only worshiping him to get something? And honestly, like sometimes in the natural, when we're praising the Lord and we're actually, we're surrendering our wills, we're switching our wills with the will of the Father, it affects more people than we realize. Yeah. I guarantee you that Paul and Silas didn't know that when through their praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and them just saying, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that we're beaten. We're still going to praise the Lord. We're still going to pursue him. We're still going to go to that intimate place because he is the only one literally that can satisfy us, that can bring our body nourishment, that can heal us right. um, from being so down and distraught or whatever, that that actually caused other people to come to the Lord. And same with Jesus. If he didn't surrender his will, yeah then he may not have went to the cross and therefore we wouldn't have the salvation. We wouldn't have the fullness of the gospel. So sometimes in our small thinking, we think of what we have to lose when we surrender instead of what we get to gain for the kingdom. Yes, people are not afraid of change. They're afraid of loss. That's right. So when they need to when they need to make a change, it's not that they're now some people probably are afraid of change, but most people, it's not the actual change, but it's what they're going to lose, what they're going to have to give up whenever they make the change. That's, that's right. That's real. That's, that's real. real. And we can all be like, oh, I can think of times. So let me and, and I just want to say this about this that this is not the normal time. This is very important. This is not the normal time that you would praise the Lord. You know, it's normal to most people. You come in Sunday morning and, you know, it's like the first song goes and it's like, Ugh. and then, you know, by like song two or three or whatever, you, you're feeling it, you're in it a little bit. That seems to be the normal time to praise the Lord. These guys were praising the Lord at the very worst of times. It wasn't the norm. It wasn't the, the Sunday morning service where it was easy or the Wednesday night Bible study or whatever it was or people gathered around praying for you and you're like, oh, it feels so good. Everything in the natural was coming against them, but yet they made a conscious choice. Now I'm going to praise the Lord. Not because my circumstances are good, but just because he is worthy. Yeah. Let me show you one more instance of this and then we're gonna, we're gonna quit. Is this blessing you guys? And no, like dealing with these things, this this is going to eliminate that spirit of mammon in your life. And eliminating the spirit of mammon is the first step into financial That's freedom right. That's exactly and right. into real, true biblical prosperity. Yes. Because the thing is, is the enemy, he doesn't want God's people to prosper. And we, you know, and we do because we have a job to do. We have a kingdom that is ever increasing. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the ever increasing kingdom. So that means I also need to increase. But then it means like mammon has to die. It has to die. We can no longer surrender our lives to the 
to the world system. Yeah, that's right. To the system. We have to surrender our lives to heaven's that's economy. Right. Yeah, this is exactly right. Let me give you another example in Philippians chapter 1 and in verse 21. Philippians 1 and 21, real quickly. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And this was Paul writing to them and saying, basically, I'd rather go to heaven uh, than stay here. But look what he says. But if I live on in the flesh, this is verse 22 of Philippians 1. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. So at this point, he was still de uh, deliberating. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Let me stop here and make a point. People that say, they say, well, it's appointed unto man to die once. And then after that, the judgment. And God has that appointment. He's got it scheduled on the calendar when you're to, to go. You can't back that up in Scripture. That's one verse that's been misunderstood. If that was true, then how did people get raised from the dead and then die a later date? Last time I checked, I'm pretty sure Lazarus died later on in his life. I'm pretty sure uh, Dorcas, which is a weird name, but anyways, <laughs> died later on in, in her life. Her name was Lydia or something like that, and then she died later, of course. So how, how was it that it was appointed to die one time when they died two times? It's because we have authority in this life whether we are going to live or we're going to die. You know why Pastor Bobby is in the hospital now, still alive and moving forward? It's because the, the prayers of the saints cause that to happen. People say, oh, it could only happen if God willed it. There are so many testimonies and so many Bible verses that don't back up that philosophy. God knows things that are gonna happen, but he still gives us authority to have the best outcome in any situation. I hope that made your brain go tilt a little bit because we have to think different. For I'm persuaded between the two, having a desire to depart and be with you and, uh, and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, and here he says, I'm gonna surrender my will. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And so he made the decision that because of what it would, it would do for them and how it would benefit them, he was going to remain so that they could reap the benefits of his apostleship and his fathership and all of just his, his influence in their life. Amen. What was that? That was a surrender of his will. And that's, and you can see that's that. different he, than like, than like, okay, Lord, I won't buy the, the, you know, the new pair of, you know, Crocs and I'll give the money to the missionary. You know, this was like, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to make a, a choice and I'm not going to go to the place where they're going to kill me, but I'm going to stay alive a little bit longer so I can be a blessing to you. Wow. Yeah. Amen. And I was just going to say, you can see that he had a battle, and the battle was in his flesh. Yes. It was in his flesh that he had to get to this place in his spirit where he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender this, yeah. and I'm going to listen to what it is that God is saying. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.